0: Higher, higher, baby Can you feel it, feel it, feel it, feel it. Do you feel it's the same way that I sound I'm so high We've got to make you feel that way so right. Roll more, let's smoke, I got to get high I've been high oh. since the last song oh. Oh. And i just been smoking and smoking Smoke another oh. blood, rolling another up Know that we can really ease your mind. Every time I smoke a really bad know how to make smith fly. If
1: everybody smoked the blumber lead, the mind the work could be a better place. If everybody took a break, and we all just get wasted. Broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are streaming live on Tune In Radio and New Haven Independent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook and YouTube. Just go to your facebook.com slash newhavenindependent or hit C first so you can see here and see all the great programming we have here on WNHHLP. All right, everybody. Good afternoon. It is Monday, October the 31st, Halloween. I'm Joe Lachance. The host of Cannabis Corner and I am joined by my co-host, Uncle Lou Luis Vega. How are you doing
2: today, Uncle Lou? Hey, how's it going, brother? You know, just uh, enjoying the day, kind of pushing forward. Happy Halloween to everybody. It's uh it's actually a beautiful day out here today in Connecticut, the sun's shining, and I'm really looking forward to today's awesome show, brother. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It is a beautiful day down here, here in the Caribbean. Uh, No rain, so that's a good thing. And uh, I'm going to a big Halloween party tonight, so that should be a lot of fun. But uh, I'm very excited about our show today. Uh, We have a guest we've been trying to get on for a couple times, and I know the people want to hear what he has to say, and I know I want to hear what he has to say. Uh, He's a great activist, and he's a great broadcaster out there in Connecticut. Uh, We're talking about Freedom Love, of Blue Dream Radio freedom how are you today
3: i'm good i'm good how you guys doing i'm glad to be part of this conversation how you guys doing
1: i'm doing great i know Lou said he was but um it is uh it's halloween day you got any big plans
3: nah man i mean i'm not a big halloween person but the kids you know i have i have two three kids so they're big on halloween so taking them taking them out for trick or treating, that's about it. But I we I don't celebrate too many of these um, holidays.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I I think it's cool and everything, but I'm a bit old for that now. You
3: know? <laughs> you know, party I don't dress party. up. I, I've never dressed up. Uh, you know, I'm from the Dominican Republic. Right. Um, we don't celebrate that over there. And the only people that do celebrate is the people that go from here to live in, this, to live in, in, in the Dominican Republic. Republic. But, you know, we, I'm, I didn't, I didn't grow up with Halloween in my house, you know, wow. so kind of like um, something that is United States based, you know? Right.
1: And well now it's worldwide. They do it all yeah. over the world, but you're right. It's spread. I'm, I'm from to- the
3: eighties. So, you know, in the eighties, we we didn't have that in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> That's
1: good. It's probably a good thing. You know, uh, there's some doubts I have about this holiday, but um, you know, they do celebrate it here where I'm at in Puerto Rico right now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm the next island over from you, uh, from where you came from. But, um, yeah, they do celebrate it here and they had a bunch of festivities all weekend. But
3: so it sounds know. fun, probably with <laughs> the tropical weather, the good music, some salsa, you know, I'm a salsero myself. You know, that's that's one thing I'm from the. The, the, the darkest side of the Dominican Republic. And we, and we, and we dance salsa over there. So we, we, right. we good at that.
1: <laughs> yeah, same here, man. It was a big salsa party down there. Everybody was dancing. And it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was more for the kids. But I took a stroll through because I just wanted to hear the music. And uh, so it was good. Yeah, they do celebrate a lot. Of, they celebrate a lot in here. That's one thing I like about this place is the people really celebrate and enjoy life you know, no matter what the situation is. And I think that's a good thing. You know, we have to do that for sure. I'm looking to get over to the Dominican sometime because it's, it's a fairly easy trip from Puerto
3: Rico. Yes, it is. That's why a lot of people migrate to Puerto Rico before they make their escape here to the United States. Right.
1: Yeah. I did notice there are a lot of Dominicans here, but, uh, Yeah, I'm enjoying my time here. I'd like to get back to Connecticut, but I'm going to wait until the weather's a little better.
3: (laughs) It's cold. It's bad timing for you to come. (laughs) That's exactly right. Exactly. A lot of that is also your health,
2: bro. You can't be out here during this weather. Your quality of life is absolutely horrible out here. Um, So once again, them Tropic Islands produce amazing health benefits on top of everything. (laughs) <laughs> exactly right exactly right it's, it's
1: amazing what being out in nature and around all the water surrounding you can do for your health uh, my health has greatly improved since I've been here
2: since before I left
1: so uh, I'm very grateful that's that
2: processed food we have it's a little bit of everything that the American culture has done right. to make things easy you know what I mean goes right. with the holidays it goes with everything that goes that kind of makes that all happen but um yeah I'm very excited about what's going on these days in life and pushing forward and yeah just uh you know making it happen freedom please tell us a little bit more about yourself you know joe gave a small introduction but we wanted to make sure that our guests had the opportunity to find out a little bit about everything you're doing because you're an individual that really has uh has a lot of things going on and a lot of very important things that are going on, not just here in Connecticut, but throughout the tri-state and nationally and internationally as well. Um, so please tell us a little bit about what you got going on, sir.
3: Yeah, so um, again, my name is Freedom. I'm a, I'm a first gen, I'm a, my, I'm a migrant uh, 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 person from the Dominican Republic, as I said a little bit, um, out here to the, to the United States. I'm a farmer, I'm a a, a father, Uh, I'm a community activist. So right now I have a nonprofit in the South Bronx. Um, It's called One Freedom for All. We do um, work around food justice and ending the school to prison pipeline, Um, um, teaching our young people what urban farming is, teaching them how to build their own community farms, um, their own rooftop gardens, you know, dealing with a hydroponic, aquaponics. So we do a lot of variety of teaching how to deal, how to you know build that relationship um, with the earth, um, either through through water or through the soil. Um, so for for me, I'm a that uh, I'm big on on you know land stewardship. So that's why I became a farmer. Um, I'm also a podcaster, so I have Blue Dream Radio. Um, which has been dormant for the past two years. I've been focusing on the farm and in this nonprofit and and pushing hemp forward and doing all these different things um, that we do here at the farm and at the nonprofit. Um, but I also do a little bit of podcasting. Um, I also, you know, I'm part of many different um, uh, 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 boards here in Connecticut for farmers. So CT NOFA. So I'm part of that board. I'm um, part of the, the steering committee for um, the new CT Farmers Alliance. Um, I'm doing a lot. I'm part of many different working groups with the, with the Young Farmers Alliance as well um, nationally. So I do a lot of, a, a little bit of everything. Um, I wear many different hats, um, but the most important thing for me um, is land stewardship and how can we um, uh, create a new world where um, the earth is, is in the forefront that we are not taking so much from the earth, but we are doing input as well, because there's a lot of output coming off the the earth with nobody putting any input. Um, So for me, it's my main thing is about regenerative agriculture um, and creating a way for sustainability in our communities. Because right now we are so co-dependent on what's happening um, that we're not focusing on how we're gonna survive when shit hit the fan. So farming is like a, a, a direct um, impact um, action that people can take just by learning how to grow little things in their homes. Um, they need to start learning how to, you know, grow their own food um, and detach themselves a little bit from the machine. So um, that's a, a, a little bit of the work I do. A little consulting as well. So I do agronomy consulting. So I help people uh, put together their farms. You know, their hemp farming uh, um, facilities and hemp farming operations. So I do a little bit of everything. Um, um, in Connecticut and throughout the country.
1: Wow. I I think that's great work because, uh, I'm down here doing the same thing, uh, with some community gardens and stuff, because that art of growing your own food and being self-sufficient is
2: something that was lost. Well, you know, and one of the really amazing things, um, is I want to point out that not only are you helping the community learn all of this, but you're actually leading by example. <clears throat> you have a very, uh um, very special thing going on and homesteading is such a is such an activity that really practices everything that you're talking about and you have a a new homestead for you and your family and it's something that a lot of people have gravitated towards and you're being very humble about it as well right now but it's one of those things that kind of ties everything together and uh, provides a space for that teaching for that learning and please share how people can get in contact with you. If they want to do any of these these things, um, share where you know. Usually, we do that at the end alone, but I think during this conversation, it would be great that we at least repeat it a couple times so that people can actually take part in in the uh, community building that you have going on in, in your space. You know.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's all about education, and and right now, that's what's lacking. Um, in our communities is make it's creating those spaces where people um, can learn the industry not you know the cannabis industry which I push I tell people that it's cool that they want to get into the weed business um, and spend a bunch of money where the MSO's got a stronghold. Um, they there's if you are a person of color, if you're not a monigote, you know that's what Puerto Ricans call people that are being pulled by the strings. If you're not a monigote, if you're not a face Um, uh, for them to be able to say they're doing equity, um, uh, um, you're not going to make any money in this cannabis industry. So for me, it's like, you know, educating our, our people that it's cool, all these businesses that you can create in the cannabis industry, but how can you rebuild the earth? And for me, you know, being a homestead, even though it's 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 not so much as a hom- as, as a homestead, but more as a farmstead, because we are a small farm on three acres. We grow hemp. Um, we have uh, uh, um, livestock. We do vegetables, and we grow for ourselves and for the community. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like for our communities to really make impact. Um, uh, in in this in this world, is it gotta be what a regenerative crop? and one more than a regenerative crop than hemp. And I tell people like, it's cool, like get your hand, try to make some money in the in, in the marijuana industry, sell your weed because weed, you know, people is gonna buy weed. But if you want something that's gonna be longevity, um, it's that fiber, Is it's that, it's that um, grain that you can get out of the hemp. Uh, because for us, uh, it's not viable. It's not a viable business to have a business in the cannabis industry right now because they're not letting us in. And they will not let us in because there's a few people that got a stronghold on this industry. And if people want to reach out, you know, they can reach out to my Blue Dream Radio on on Instagram or Facebook, Um, my Simarrón Farmstead on on Instagram, on Facebook. You can reach out to me there um, and connect with me. But at the end of the day, it's about education and creating um, solution-based uh, um, uh, uh, organizing so people can organize. Because a lot of things that happen here in Connecticut, um, especially with with the legalization of cannabis, is that you know the bill got legalized and then everybody is out for themselves. It got legalized the fucked up way. Um, they legalized even though you know the bill is fucked up all around the way. This is this um, is
2: regular radio, brother.
3: Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize for the cursing. Um, But if you know how messed up it got um, here in Connecticut, um, you know, everybody's out for themselves uh, and we need to create um, solution based organizing to be able to mobilize people um, to fight. Uh, for just industry, just industry in every level, because there's intersections with cannabis, with food insecurity, with education. Um, There's a lot of intersections that we need to meet um, and start organizing around and start fundraising within ourselves um, to be able to combat uh, this injustices that's happening in our communities. And I apologize again for the curse. And I do forget that we are in, <laughs> in public radio and not on a podcast. So I apologize for that.
1: It's all good. I don't think we'll get kicked off. I'll find out at the end of the show, but it, right. it, it happens. It happens. I think we're on a delay, but um, <laughs> no, you made, you made a lot of good points there, you know, especially about two things that struck me. One was as soon as cannabis got legalized, it seemed like everybody was in a rush for themselves, everybody Mm -hmm. wanted to jump in the industry. And, And now I think people are starting to wake up to the fact, now that they're seeing the way this lottery went, now that they're seeing the people that they actually started giving licenses to, the reality of it being that, yeah, maybe I won't be able to get into this industry and make the kind of money I thought I was gonna make because the way the state made the laws they made it mm-hmm. favorable to other people, even though it looks like on paper, oh, we're doing equity, we're doing equity. All the partners, I looked, most of them are out of state, and mm-hmm. those, you know, people that you 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 look at them and go, how is this equitable? It's like I knew a ton of people who would have qualified for this licenses, but they didn't get them. They didn't get them and they put in lotteries and they did all the things, but they didn't get them and they were deserving. Yet the people who aren't deserving seem to be the ones getting
3: them. I mean, they, they and also you can add the way that they did the lottery is that they, they had a cap for how many licenses they were going to give out, but they didn't have a cap of how many licenses, how many applications you can put in because all these all people, even for the equity application, they were putting 800 to 1,000 applications um, into the system. Um, there's no way our communities had a, a chance to compete with somebody that has two hundred thousand dollars to 300 to five hundred thousand dollars to invest just in application fees. We don't have that type of money on the application fee. We might have you know ten thousand, we might have five thousand on the bank, but we're not going to put all that money that we save hard money on application fees to hope to get a license in a lottery that was rigged from the beginning. Um, so for me, it's like the all around, um, it's just, it was not well orchestrated the way they did it. They left out even indigenous communities out of, out of the playing field. Um, so it's like, for me, the, all the way around from the start to the end and the way it's shaping out, um, Connecticut is going to be looking worse than than New Jersey, which New Jersey just legalized um, and just um, uh, uh, finalized their licensing process. They allow like 15 people. Um, they they accepted 15 applications, so people are going to be able to open up. Um, but you know it's going to be worse in Jersey, and you know that's that's a conversation that people need to start having. And how are we going to create solutions that are that are that are concentrated and based on the communities that have been impacted um, by this war on drugs?
1: Yeah, I mean to me right from the start and this was one of the big battles we had during the final legalization process was what defines equity
2: yeah so you know, state so, yeah go ahead look this is this is uh here's a solution the large companies should be run from the people that actually busted their hump did what they had to and then you allow those individuals to actually do what they say they were going to do because right now current solutions and everything that's being talked about. And even right now, what we're talking about is how we're gonna make the large company or the MSO or something like that see our way. You only do that by having a CEO in that position.
3: You get what I mean? I mean, for me, it's just give away with all of them. Like let the let home grow, like let the home grow people, brother, we, um, let, let the caregivers um, let let um, caregivers take care of their patients. Like if you, All if you for are it. a caregiver, let them grow, let them grow um, and do patient to patient, um, caregiver to patient um, and put the, 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 the industry back to the hands of the people that created it. Like, you know, let's start educating people of how to grow this plant. But in, in the masses, like this is a this you don't get this many regulations for a tomato plant. You don't get this many regulations for to become a farmer. So if if this is supposed to be a crop, you know, supposed to be a, a plant, let let the plant live. Like for me, even, even like and I want even when it comes to climate smart agriculture, the cannabis industry is pushing away from that. Because oh, the, the cannabis, cannabis industry, industry is
2: horrible in The cannabis industry is
3: not going to create a climate smart uh, 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 agenda of how they're not going to mess up the earth more on how they grow it and the chemicals that no. they use to Just make the statistically plant. Statistically
2: wise, home. you're right. Statistically, the cannabis cultivation industry in the U.S. is the second consumer of power in the entire nation. Like, religion is the first thing. The second is cannabis cultivation facilities, because as anybody looks at it, cannabis cultivation currently the way that it stands is the least sustainable, most artificially driven industry in the entire con in in the world. Ultimately we don't do sun grown cannabis as a practice. We shun on sun grown cannabis. We don't do restorative methods of actually growing. And then if we wanted to do a restorative us as a whole, you know, if you're growing inside your house as a medical patient or come this, come in a couple months as a regular, as a adult use grower, you'll be able to grow your six and your six. You should, hey, if you're growing 12 plants, six and flower, I, I literally just took down a half pound on one plant. Um, you should be able to yield the DEA study, which they're horrible growers in a five by five space yielded a pound and a half in a system. That's one light that does five by 5,000 watts, simple grow. You can do it organically or you can do it regularly. That'll just determine your cost. But you should be able to yield a pound in that five by five space. We always talk about a pound per light, it's a thousand watt light. And that's as an individual. You run that cycle you do four plants in that four, in that space. So now you're running two of those. You should be able to not even like a super awesome grower or anything like that. Just literally running like a Fox farm, basic $15 nutrient package, run it one cycle with a thousand watt light led probably adds 10 bucks to your light bill, full setup, probably $500 total. You, you know, you should, if you just follow like the super simple growing weed, growing cannabis, you know, everybody could probably agree. There's a thousand ways to do it. There is every single free opportunity to learn how to grow it. I know that you teach people. I know that our good friends over at Sweet Heel teach people. I know that you stop by us, you get taught, you can jump on the internet. Um, There's literally, there's information on growing weed everywhere. And that's one of the hardest things because you never know what's right or what's wrong. But everyone I believe everyone should be able to pull a pound, like as, as simple as that sounds, you know, and then the average cost per pound, three month turn, two tenths, th- that pound will probably cost you $150 per cycle as long as you just take care of it without going crazy. A lot of people look at that indoor style like, okay, I got to do the lights. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to go crazy. I got to do nutrients, hydroponics. I tell everybody it's a plant. It is a plant, Put it in some good soil, make sure that's it gets it. enough light. Make sure it gets some air. Think of it. Like if it was you go out and touch the ground sometimes. And that's one thing that we can touch on. We've touched on a couple of times cannabis as an indoor cultivator on the mass scale just is not sustainable. We don't, do that at all currently and it's hard you know there's some places that are starting to do it um shout out to solar therapeutics in massachusetts which is completely off the grid they produce all of their energies and that's and that's a connecticut connection in all honesty big shout out to becky from running brook farm who produces solar energy for agriculture now they were doing landscaping they did exotic flowers they do their hemp growers becky is the the, uh president of the Connecticut Amp industry Alliance and her family is actually the backing and the brain trust for solar you know to do all of their solar panels and now they have a solar farm and because of the way the laws has just changed in Connecticut if you're an agriculturalist and you put up solar panels you can sell that solar energy to other agriculturalists and municipalities in your area.
0: So I
3: have solar so that's, that there that's you what... go. That's what I'm
2: doing myself. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's interesting to see how regulations and agriculture switch over to cannabis as the market matures. We we have a tough time getting a lot of things through because this market hasn't matured yet. There's not enough participation on the advocacy side. There's not enough participation on the corporate side. There's not enough uh, there's not enough participating even in the middle class portion of it. You know what I mean? So it's it makes it that you have to now define what you want to do versus, I mean, you know what I mean? Be versus going into where you're looking, what are you looking to do? You know, are you a medical marijuana advocate? Are you a, not you particularly, but I'm talking the state itself because if we go to New York, boy, do they organize well. The sheer numbers, bus trips to the Capitol, you can go down any day of the week and meet with a small advocacy group that has 15 to 20 people right there, dedicated, that can pull another 100 people. It's it's cannabis is just such a space now that it's people defining their lane, I guess.
3: I mean, I in my thing for- is, if- it's finding that it's finding that intersection because you know there's a lot of um, you know cannabis organizations that are doing work that popped up as soon as they legalized. There's a lot of all these cannabis organ organizing organizations. But if you don't co- connect with people um, in a local level, because at the end of the day, like it's still a stigma. People are worrying about how they're gonna pay rent. So if you're not connecting with people at that level of of, of organizing and understanding that we are not just cannabis, that we are not just education, that we're not just this and that, that we are a whole person. We have many different identities and many different ways that we interact in this earth. Um, if we don't go into that community into that community and we build those relationships with people, that it's not just about cannabis, that we understanding their core issue, um, we're not going to mobilize the 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 masses for because for us as a community, we don't need any everybody to be in the cannabis industry. We just need people to mobilize so we can get the reinvestment of this equity programs that they are creating and all these different things, the reinvestment of the tax dollars that is bringing back into those organizations that are doing the local work so we can move people past poverty that is not just cannabis. And this is what people are still focused on. is This is what people are still stuck. That it's not weed. It's more than weed. Weed is just a vehicle, right? But for us, like, we don't just get arrested for weed. We get arrested for just existing in this earth. For just being a person on this earth, we get arrested. So for me, it's like, how can we start building those connections with people that are real connections and not this cannabis-based, uh, 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 making multi million dollars, hanging out with Jada Kiss or Redman or all these people that we want to that we want to be like, right? That do not care about what's really going on in the hood, right? But how can we connect with those people um, that that are going through it on our everyday life? And that's what I do for a living. That's what I do every day. That's what I'm in the streets every day. Like the people that you mentioned that was taking buses. Like I was one of those people that was organizing those buses in New York. I was one of those people that organized some of the uh, 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 manifestations that was happening in New York. Like I was one of those people before cannabis when when the strikes on, 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 on the airports and, and JFK, I was out there with, with the people that was striking. I was out there with, I'm, I'm here and I've been organizing, not just cannabis. Cannabis is just an avenue to talk to yep. a certain group of people. But the communities as a whole, we need to move them from the stigma and understanding that this money is going to help us build a community that we want to look that we want to see, and right. that's the education that we need for our communities.
2: Right. Now I right. have a question because you're on a roll right now. What do what do we do with that education?
3: Which it, I mean, it, moving people from the stigma that it's just a plant. That that is from, not just a plant, I mean, from the stigma that is at the devil's letters to bring them to, it's just a plant. Um, that that stigma if we break it through the education what what uh, uh uh the in the cannabinoid system that we have that this is a regenerative plan not just for marijuana but the hemp we bring hemp this is what you can do with hemp you can do rebar like in in troy new york this this um, polytechnical mm-hmm. university they they created a rebar you can create fittings for plumbing um like you can re- revolutionize whole industries with yeah. just hemp and then you bring cannabis as Healing, you know, for your back and all these different things that it's not just for you to get high. If we break that down and then they understand that, and they understand that this revenue that's going to come from the sales of this. Of this is gonna come back to the community, so we can rebuild this 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 library. We can rebuild this this community center because our young people are being shot every day by the police by themselves. And 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 we rebuild the community in that way because I come from New York, and you can see an actual pipeline. When we say that we fight the 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 school prison pipeline, it's because I don't know if anybody's have taken the five train on New York City. When you come out in the Bronx, it, it goes from the underground. It comes out um, to the streets. You can actually see a jail for for a juvenile detention center right next to it. There's a Burger King, and all around you got middle schools, you got high schools, you got daycares. There's a pipeline. Freedom,
2: completely understand what you're saying. It's a pipeline that East we New need York, to fight. Brooklyn.
3: Go ahead, go ahead. Huh?
2: Yeah, I'm from East New York, Brooklyn. Grew up, and, raised and, the whole night
3: And so for me, exactly
2: what me So this is where. This is where I was kind of hoping we would take this into because that education should breed entrepreneurship, should breed some type of leadership, should breed from there. That's what the next step is. And that I, I think sometimes we forget that as an individual, we bring our we bring our passions into the fight in what they do. What I hear from all of that is job creation would be able to be the next step and solve be the solution to all the questions that you're you're popping out. And then not only that, but now it becomes a company that's conscious of these things. So now it's a company paying reasonable wages. They're reinvesting into the community around them. You know, that's that next step. So now what do we do? Do we hinder the individuals who decided to take the next step there and push forward? I think that it, it comes to a time in cycles of everything that we give so much for the many and then find a new way to do so much for the many and not as a hard of way. You get what I mean? Because providing that education costs money. So now we're seeing the issue in Massachusetts that people are now worried about who is sponsoring an event, which is viable because, hey, Whose money are you taking? So now it's who's sponsoring the event, but is the event doing a ton of good? Or is this going to now allow the group to be able to provide so much more for everything else? Because these are the growing pains that I believe that are happening in a market that's not mature yet. This is cannabis hemp um, is just becoming mainstream. We now can find hemp blocks at construction stores because they just recently approved hemp as a building material in the U S so now we can actually go to hardware stores and request hemp blocks as a building material. Not many are carrying them yet, but they have them on their order catalog because the large distributors are starting to carry them. Um, But we're watching this market mature and now it's people have to set their clear lanes and what they're looking to do. You know what I mean? Are they looking to we have adult use cannabis and the same thing with new york and massachusetts and you know as the states continue to follow where are you looking to work as an individual are you looking to now be the advocate pushing for the regulation change be an implementer be somebody who's looking to be in the space as a job creator like now it becomes It was started from it wasn't legal. Now we're all fighting for it to be legal. Now it's legal. Now we have to pick our lanes. You know what I mean? Are we did we fight for this for the adult side? Did we fight for this for the medical side? Because nobody right now can say that they're in any of these states. They're fighting for the medical side. The medical side has been almost forgotten in so many places. And that's one of the hardest things, because now the medical regulations are being changed willy nilly allowing for literally at least in this state and in new york it's it's like 16 cultivators were medical now there's a hundred and something that are adult use but now we're seeing changes in regulations for the medical providers allowing them way more openness and it's like we're missing those because nobody's decided to be the medical i'm focusing on medical and in this state we have a couple people that do do that we have christina we have Higher Health, we have Sweet Heal. These are some of the larger hemp brands in Connecticut that focus mostly on the medicinal side of cannabis. And they, they advocate for that as much. And then there's the adult use side. And that's a huge battle in itself because now who is it? Is it craft Cannabis? Is it the middle of the road, mom and pop? Is it the large MSO? Is it the individual who decided to get an angel investor? Is it, how did it go? you know what i mean now there opens up so many different ways we're seeing that new york was one of the first states that really allowed farmers to transition from hemp to cannabis and allowing them to actually take large loans from banks or financers or investors without having to sell very much of their business or any of their business big shout out to uh ananda farms that was the the big uh the big the big picture study of the whole thing you know what i mean she was able to get full funding from a bank with zero sale of her business and and get to turn her business from a small family um small family farm very small family farm between her and her wife and the kids and now they're they're a large cannabis producer um big ag educator big big awesome supporter of our show as well so big shout out to them as well um I know that you have, you have taken charge of the hemp space. You know That longevity portion is so important because people are, are only gonna now open their eyes to how fiber can literally replace anything that's synthetically made. You know what I mean? So that kind of puts us in that space.
1: Well, you know what I find interesting with all this talk about sustainability, right? All we hear about is solar, wind and how bad oil is. I don't hear much talk about hemp being a sustainable solution for this climate change thing that we're supposedly going through. And, and, and the government made it legal, but it seems like now they're ignoring it. Then why did they make it legal if they're not going to utilize the benefits of it? And I understand the hemp business is small now, but shouldn't government subsidies be going into hemp farms, into hemp making hemp uh, production facilities that can build these bricks, make the hemp ethanol? I mean, is that's where I think a lot of advocacy is being missed on a national level? Um, you know, we talk about what Jason did down there with Joe Biden and how Joe Biden freed all the you know, all the zero cannabis prisoners that were in there, but how they're holding their feet to the fire to release all of them. We see that the feds are doing something on the cannabis side a little bit, but I've seen not a peep on the hemp side. And, and is, that's an area that I think really needs to be looked into. You know, why isn't the government, so, you know, getting involved in and in seeing this on a worldwide basis?
3: Because it's gonna put a lot of industries out of business, <laughs> and they still haven't understanding how they're gonna monetize it um, in a way that um, is gonna just benefit the small group. But I just want to go back to one of the things. It's like um, that Lewis mentioned. For me, it's like it's not just um, you know I always talk about what's happening, um, but creating entrepreneurship um, opportunities for communities is like in the forefront. Right. So for me we need to understand that everything that we do got to come with the advocacy portion. No matter what you're doing in this earth, with, from accounting, all the way from accounting to having a cannabis uh, 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 multi-state you know, state operator business, like you need to do everything that you do with advocacy and, and justice. Um, In your work right so for me the way that I create entrepreneurial opportunities for my young people and i'm gonna talk about young people because that's that's the, the 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 demographics that that I work with between the ages of 15 and 25. Um, uh, uh, for me is creating this education opportunities, which I do without no money, because, you know, a lot of people say you need money to do this education. I've been running my nonprofit um, with, with minimal uh, um, funding. And a lot of people say, you're crazy. You need to start making money. Um, but my thing is that the money is going to be made when it's going to be made. But I do the work that I needs to be done for these young people. And I teach them that money come first, even though the nonprofit is doing the work with minimal money, but we teach them that money come first. And at the end of the day, if you want to become a free thinker and, you know, have opportunities, you need to create some type of wealth um, that is not just, you know, becoming a rapper or a basketball player or all these different things. It's like, or not, or, or going to college and struggling. So one of the things that we teach in our nonprofit is that we teach them how to do, uh, um, um, digital media, so they learn how to do their digital media so they can get hired by companies because we do um, the auxiliary businesses um, that young people, before they hit 21, that they can't get in, like the, the coding. So we have a coding class. We have a cooking class. We teach them how to cook. We teach them how to grow their own food um, and become consultants of how to um, teach all the farm, um, urban farmers, how to build their, their community farm. So we teach that type of entrepreneurship for our young people um, with the lens of justice and popular education, that learning that all the isms are are something that they need to learn about. That learning that learning about the 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 bombing that happened in Philadelphia to the MOVE organization in the 60s and 70s that they killed a bunch of um, young people and adults in Philadelphia. They just drop a bomb, like right. teaching that history. They need to still learn that history and still learn where they come from, even though they call it CRT, whatever they call it. But that's the type of telling the history, the full history of this United States and, and worldwide is going to make them whole with the lens of, you know, having a business. You need to be owners. You cannot be just workers. And how can we teach the new generation to become owners and not just the worker bees that this cannabis Companies and MSOs wants us to be just the worker bees. We're gonna provide a few. We're gonna be. We're gonna do what the minimal to be in the equity position that we are giving money to this reinvestment. The minimal that we can give, or we're we gonna give the minimal for Climate Smart, or we're gonna give the minimal so we don't we don't get uh, a fine. Um, but that we actually pushing these people to do the work that they need to be doing because we are owners and not just worker bees. We right. cannot be pushing to be worker bees anymore when we have so many opportunities that we all talking about, um, right. but we are pushing people to be workers instead of being owners. Right. Even right. though there's a bunch of opportunities, but we just want you to be a worker. That's, That's not how we do things, man.
1: That's through traditional education. They, they're trying to teach people how to be good worker bees. What you're doing is providing an alternative like, well, that's fine. You have to go to school because of the law. But here's the things they're not teaching you in school. And yep. here's the things you're really going to need to know for the new world that's coming up, for the way things are going to be, unless you want to be a part of the technocratic, you know, the system for the rest of your like life. Like
3: my, my, my three-year-old, he's learning about hemp and all the usage of hemp. He helped me with my hand plants. Like he needs to learn this. Not even if you don't want to become a farmer, but he can take the, the teachings that he learned from, from how to turn it into a fiber and, and be, become an engineer and create his own product that's going to affect the world for the better. Like that's the type of education that we need to start teaching our young people is how can they be, be innovators um, within this system that I only want them to be worker bees. And we can, you know, it's we need to change the narrative.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. And I give you a lot of credit for what you're doing, man, because I know it's hard to be working out there in the community without any, you know, without any real money, but just doing it because you know that it's going to reap benefits for a better world in the future, you know, and if you can educate 10 people and then they go out and educate 10 people, that's how it spreads, you know, and. You know, you, you're doing great work, especially with the farming. I'm a big advocate of, you know, people not understanding how depleted our soil is, how the food they eat when they buy it from the grocery store does not have enough nutrition, isn't it? Does not have the same nutrition that it used to have, like when we were growing up. Uh, it's and there and this is why people are getting sick you know, because they're eating this factory farm food, GMOs, the people who do this farming do nothing to remunerate their soil. You know, mm-hmm. the natural ways the old school farmers knew how to remunerate their soil through yeah. various methods and things like flooding was actually good for their farms. Things like burning down the crop and letting the burn sit into the, into the soil was actually good for their farms, you know, and and they don't do that anymore. And hence the food that we're getting is not as, is not as good, is not as good at all. And and people need, because the ability is there to grow your own food and be Mm self-sufficient. So why not take advantage of it? It's not that hard to grow food. And, and again, like with the solar, you, you said you had a homestead out there. More people need to be learning how to homestead, generate their own power, get their own water, You know, put a cistern on the roof. A lot of people don't even know about these things anymore where our, our grandparents and our ancestors actually had to live this way. This is the way they lived. And in a lot of ways, it was a lot better and a lot healthier and a more sustainable type of life. And we've lost that in this modern age. And I think it, it, it also overflows into activism, whereas people think they're doing activism by putting posts on mm. the internet, you know what I mean? And, and sending emails. No, you have to press the flesh because these candidates and these legislators who you're talking to listen to their constituents So you have to go to the constituents and get the constituents educated and on your side. So they also go to the legislator and say, yes, this is what we want. This is what we want for a community.
3: I know. Now, are you based in Connecticut now? So I'm based in Connecticut, New York, and I do a little bit of work in New Jersey as well. But um, but I'm based out of Danbury, um, Connecticut. So. Um, and, and just to add a little bit, it's like even even learning like the, the trajectory of, of the food system here in the United States, because a lot of people think that their food starts at the supermarket. They don't even understand the hands that test their food um, that are being exploited on a daily day basis, all these farm workers that are being exploited right now. Um, on, the, on, on the farm um, by this monocropping um, uh, uh, agro corporations that are taking, that are, you know, killing the earth by just growing one crop and, 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 you know, taking all these subsidies and not really paying their workers the things that they need to um, just to live. Um, there's farm workers that, um, that work 23 hours, um, when it comes to harvest season, they got to work 23 hours during harvest season and they only get one hour of sleep um, with bad conditions and nobody's ab- like, there's a lot of people advocating, but the conversation is it's not it's not trickles down to the farm worker. So like for us, it's like even having the understanding and teaching our communities how the food system works in this United States um, and how to combat that, how to create opportunities um, to create change, um, to those food to those systems that we say that are flawed, that we know that are flawed. So, and you
2: know, with those, that's also making sure we actually advocate in the right places. We don't have those systems in Connecticut, but they're very prevalent in like the Midwest and the West coast where they have so much, we just don't have the room. That's where the toughest parts of it is. That's why like a Connecticut, Connecticut farmer, like yourself, like myself, we get almost nothing in that realm. So it's even more disadvantaged when you're a farmer in a state that only recognizes small farms. It's like, we get even less on top of it. You know what I mean? It makes it even, it makes it super tough because now it's it's individuals coming from the inner cities coming out to farms where you get a lot, of, at least in this area, you get a lot of farm workers that are coming out of Bridgeport and going into the into the into our small family farms and the USDA farms here in Connecticut, because we don't have the large we don't, just don't have the climate for for large yeah, no, property, it, it, you know what I mean? It makes it round. tough. they want Yeah, to that's it, that's that year round. And then it's really tough and to be a farmer in the state. And then even when you when you do everything, it's like you have to you have to choose multiple crops to do, you know what I mean? You have to rotate three or four crops out and that's how you find a little bit of funding that you can find. It makes it even harder when you're just a small, like a super small family farm with no employees or it's uh. but as we continue to go, it is that time, Joe, we have to, uh, let's make sure everybody knows how to contact freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Please tell us where your farm is, how people can get
1: involved in some of these community programs you're doing. You're based in Danbury, you know, maybe people can come down and uh, get some of your produce, whatever. Just let us know what, uh, how we, how people can support you.
3: So the, the farm on Instagram is Cimarron, S-E-A-M-A-R-R-O-N, Cimarron Farmstead. Um, and the, the podcast is Blue Dream Radio uh, underscore. Uh, and then, yeah, that's the... the and, the nonprofit is One Freedom, the number four all, One Freedom for All. That's my nonprofit. Um, and .org, if you, you know want to look at the website, onefreedomforall.org, um, that's the website. Um, and you can come down to Danbury. Just send me a message on the Instagram, on the Cimarron Instagram, and we give you directions on how to get here. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for having me and having this conversation that is necessary uh, for people to hear.
1: Thank you, Freedom. We re- really, really appreciate it. It was a great episode, and best of luck with everything you're doing. We want to throw you our support, and uh,
3: much love, love, man. Much love. No problem. Yeah, uh, and, I'm, and I'm happy you're okay. I know Puerto Rico got hit hard, so I'm right, glad to right. see you okay. That's how we lost that show. <laughs>
1: All right. Thank you, everybody. Like, share, follow us, Me, the media, at Cannabis Corner, right nah, now. Nah, 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 nah. And we will see you all next week. Thanks again, Freedom. I I got
0: high. <laughs> Ooh, I was gonna get up and find the broom. But then I got high. Uh. My room is still messed up. And I know why. Why, man? Yeah, hey, cause I got high. Yeah. Because I got high. Because, yeah, because I got high. high. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. Uh, uh. I'm taking it next semester, and I know why. Why, Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. Go to the next. One. Go to the next. One. Go to the next. One. Uh. I was gonna go to court before I got high. Uh. I was going to pay my child support, but then I got high. No, you wasn't. Yeah. Uh, they took my whole paycheck, and I know why. Why, man? hey, because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high.